welcome to the Victorian Aboriginal News Referendum 23 Tapes podcast. I'm your host, Charles Parkiner. Victorian Aboriginal News acknowledges and pays respect to traditional owners and custodians across Australia. We acknowledge the elders who have gone before, those who currently lead their communities and those who will follow in years and generations to come. In February this year, 144 health, justice, human rights, environment, youth and housing sector organisations joined in an alliance to support a yes vote in the referendum to recognise a First Nations voice to Parliament. Dubbed the Allies for Uluru Coalition, the alliance intends to build a groundswell of public support for the yes vote. Joining me on the program to discuss this is Ian Wishart, CEO of the Fred Hollows Foundation, one of those 144 organisations. Ian, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be here. Ian, what started this alliance? Whose idea was it and when did it all start? Yeah, the alliance began as an idea with a couple of agencies, uh, certainly the Fred Hollows Foundation and Oxfam began gathering about two years ago when it was clear that there was a push towards a referendum. And we had a couple of meetings last year where we thought, what could we do to support and ally with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and their leaders? Mm -hmm. You know, the idea was to form this allies for Uluru coalition of the social sector and it's interesting when I think the Yes campaign launched in Adelaide they suggested that the community organise into sector groups and it's by chance we'd already begun trying to form the social sector, some people would call that the charity sector, into a coalition uh, to support the Yes campaign. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the genesis of it. 144 organisations, quite a sizeable achievement. How was that actually done? Yeah, we put the word out uh, mostly to CEOs and said, you know, we stand as charities and social organisations. We stand for social justice. We recognise disadvantage. We recognise when people need to have a voice. And we put to them that you know, we all have a history of, of trying to help people and that here was Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people putting in front of the Australian people, not the politicians, putting in front of the Australian people a request. And uh, we recognised it as the only form of constitutional change that has that wide and broad support. So we thought it was something we should support and we also saw it as fair and practical, uh, something that would had a fair chance of getting up and a once-in-a-generation opportunity to sort of set a new path in this country. So we were keen to get behind it and fortunately that argument resonated with so many different uh, leaders. Well, without naming names, because I can't believe that there would have been 100% support for this call to action that you put out there to the CEOs, was there any pushback and what were some of the reasons given? The only pushback we had is that there are some unique organisations which constitutionally are not able to join such campaigns because of their unique independent stance. So that's really the only pushback I received. Of course, when you talk to individual Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, not everyone agrees with the referendum, but I guess our view on that is that you know, 
in any community, not everyone agrees with something, but this one, there was a comprehensive process and the you know has this wide support from the leaders and community so we felt comfortable to get behind it the other thing is you know if this is going ahead if this is really going ahead which it seems to be mm-hmm. the the worst possible thing for it would be to not succeed and it will need a majority of the australian people and a majority of states to get across the line so we, we felt that it's incumbent on us to sort of build a groundswell of support because uh, it will need widespread support. There will, though, be members within the community who are either clients of these organisations or allied with those organisations in one way or the other who are going to wholeheartedly disagree with the stance of the coalition. Is there, are there strategies in place to deal with that, to help your member organisations manage it? Yeah, we've been setting down some principles, you know, that the coalition members sort of agree to. And one is to not be disrespectful at all if people disagree, simply to state in the positive why we think it should be supported, but accept that people will have different views. And within our organisations, we also are being careful to understand that not, not every Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander employee may be pro the yes campaign or pro the Uluru statement so we're also making sure that employees don't feel under duress that they absolutely have to fall in line you know it's it's okay to have a different opinion so how do you police that i mean not that you really could police that but how do you enforce that to those organizations that they're actually going to have staff members who will passionately disagree with the yes vote because The No campaign and the Liberals and the Nationals do come up with some very interesting arguments, no doubt about that. How can you guarantee that, or your member organisations guarantee, that the well-being of those who disagree with the yes vote is looked after within the organisations? Yeah, that's a a good point. We do a lot of work within our organisation to create what we call psychologically safe spaces, and that is... For people to be heard even though they may have a contrary opinion on any range of issues and this would be a particular one so not to feel railroaded by things but the organization still needs to take a position on matters and that that can be true about campaigns it could be true about decisions that have to be made within the organization but nevertheless people should be free to speak their mind and have those spaces where we can have dialogue. We also, of course, support people with external support and we also have a network of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people within our organisation supporting each other as well. This actually is a very important point for the Fred Hollows Foundation given the work, the amazing work that Fred did Do you see it as almost a personal drive within your organisation, part of its ethos almost? We certainly are very cognisant, uh, you know, that Professor Fred Hollows himself uh, was very allied uh, with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. He was very involved in bringing to the attention of the then federal government the gap in health circumstances. And he was very involved with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leaders who started the first... Aboriginal Medical Service in Redfern and you know he always said that 
you cannot separate people's health and in our case their eye health from the determining circumstances of their lives and that they need a voice and a say in you know the services that are provided to them and the overall politics of the country and this is not the perfect solution that's not going to answer everything but it's an i think it's a really important building block in resetting the foundations of this country we can undo the past but we can certainly make a better future what about actions in making that better future how do you work towards what actions are you looking to put into place to achieve that yes vote well you know 144 organizations we, we all have supporters and i would say that that our supporter bases combined run into the millions and we have actually at the Fred Hollows Foundations for two years, been just gently sharing the message of the Uluru Statement, you know, that quiet but dignified ask to Australian people yeah. and saying, look, this is what Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are saying and please listen, uh, please hear it and urging people to inform themselves first. We're not trying to browbeat them into saying, you know, supporting. We're saying here's some resources take a look at it, listen to it, you know, watch this video and see for yourself, uh, make up your mind. So that's kind of been our approach. And will the Alliance actually be developing its own resources or utilising those of the existing Yes campaigns? Well, we try to not do secondary things, but to use existing resources. Obviously, we customise it to, you know, a Facebook post or a social media post, but by and large, we use the materials we can obtain. And other organisations, is the Alliance open to grow beyond the 144 or have you capped your membership? No, no, certainly not. We want to grow as wide as possible and we want other sectoral groups to develop. We, we're pleased to see there is support coming out from some major companies, certainly from the sporting codes have been very supportive. Faith communities are coming out in support so this is all positive and we, we certainly will want to grow ours uh, and it's not exclusively uh, social sector or charity groups. We mm. had some corporates join us, but, you know, that's that's the kind of space we operate in, so we want it to grow. You're a CEO, so I'm going to assume that you're looking at things always from a strategic perspective. What are your thoughts of the Alliance post the referendum vote, regardless of the outcome? Gosh, you caught me out there. Uh, <laughs> I guess we've always looked for the places where we can ally with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Yep. So we've, we've been a, you know, one of the original supporters of the Close the Gap campaign. This campaign we see as pivotal. I'm very much hoping that, uh, you know, this will be successful. And we support the Uluru Statement in whole. So if there's further work that needs to be done on truth-telling and treaty, we'd be open to supporting that because we support the Uluru Statement in whole. I can see in that case that we may be talking again in the months to come. Ian Wishart, CEO of the Fred Hollows Foundation, thank you very much indeed for your time today. Thank you. For a full transcript of this interview, visit the Victorian Aboriginal News website at vicaboriginalnews.com.au. Until our next episode, stay safe and stay informed. <laughs>